And that's what I long for this morning, that God would come and touch your lives. We don't want here to be here this morning and just pass on knowledge. We want to enjoy the presence of God. We want a release of the Holy Spirit in this place this morning, that he touches our lives and changes our lives. Because no one can be in the, in the presence of the sovereign God and not be touched. And no one can be in the presence of the sovereign God and not be changed. I don't know what your expectations were on coming here this morning, but my expectations were that God, we would just know your presence. And you would touch my life as I preach the word, and the words I give would be clothed in power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. What was your expectations this morning? Did you just arrive here because it's a usual time on the Sunday? And you come here week after week? Or was there a real sense of, I must, get up and I must get to this place this morning because I want to meet with God. I want to be in God's presence this morning. I want to sing the worship to God this morning. I want to just know His presence. Did you, did you come here with an excitement in your heart? What is God going to do in my life this morning? What is God going to say to me this morning that is going to touch my life and change my life forever? Because I believe this is a life-changing moment this morning. I, do, I really do believe that. That God is calling on lives to be touched and changed. Because the longer we go on in the Christian pathway at times, we become a bit blasé, don't we? We become uh, a bit mediocre. But God wants us to keep us fresh and alive and excited. So that we can go on and touch the lives of others. Those of you watching the Olympic Games this week, I think they've been amazing. You know, I really think that the, the games in London have been absolute, especially yesterday, you know, especially the hour last night, you know, where three gold medals came, and people's lives were changed forever because they picked up a gold medal. Imagine the, when they were told that they were on the team. Imagine that moment they were told that they were going to represent Great Britain at the Olympic Games. Can you imagine the... The sense of honour and excitement that they were going to be on the Great Britain Olympic team. And yet here this morning, we are being asked to come on to a far greater team than the Olympic team. We are uh, being asked this morning to come on to the, the side of Jesus Christ to go forth and touch this world with his love and with his grace and with his mercy. And that, that gets me excited. I remember, uh, well, most of you uh, don't know me, but uh, I'm from Bonness uh, originally. Uh, don't hold that against me. But uh, it's a few miles uh, east of here, maybe about 25 miles east of here. And I was born in 1945, the end of the war, and uh, came to know Jesus Christ as my Saviour in 1954 as a nine year old boy that I knew that I needed to put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And in 1954, I remember it as clear tonight, or, or today, as, as it was that night, that uh, I went to, I, I stayed behind, you stayed behind in these days, you didn't come to the front, you didn't stand in the aisle and say a prayer, you, you stayed behind. <laughs> that was just the normal things uh, in Brethren Circles that I was brought up in, in the Hebron Hall in Bonest. I remember as a nine-year-old boy, just uh, kneeling uh, in the old forum seats and just, uh, and just saying, yeah, I'm a sinner and I want to accept you, Lord Jesus, as my saviour. And that was the 26th of January, 1954. And uh, I remember uh, have, always having a love for the word of God. 
and uh, as I got older and uh, uh, about 13 I got really got into the word of God and my mother would come through at 2, two o'clock in the morning and say come on you've got school tomorrow and I would have my bibles and my dictionary and that out on the actual table uh, as a 14 year old boy into the word of God wanted to know more about the word of God and I had a paper job and I remember uh, having a few pounds in my pocket and I jumped in the bus and went to Edinburgh I knew where the second hand bookshops were I knew where uh, all the second hand bookshops were there that sold theological books imagine a 14, 15 year old boy looking for theological books but I, I used to go way through to Edinburgh and especially to Thins up uh, uh, up the bridges because they, they had a huge vast uh, it's a bookshop underneath the pavement so he went down and, and, and into the dungeons to get it and I remember carrying home as proud as anything my first strong concordance you know and, uh, and these days you have to be strong to bring it <laughs> because you, you know you you remember the old Strong's concurrence, it's, it's a bit concise now, in fact it's on the computer now, I don't have to, don't have to carry it about. But you know, I know on the way back in the bus that day, I was so proud of having my own Strong's concordance, you know. And, uh, and I also remember uh, maybe about, about 15 doing uh, in my paper run. I remember climbing a small hill, I could take the very spot in bonus just now. But the Holy Spirit stopped me as a 15 year old boy and distinctly heard the call to preach the word of God. Distinctly heard it. Imagine God Almighty wanting to speak to a 15 year old boy with a paper bag on his back and, and short trousers. And these days you only got long trousers till you left the school. You know? So I was still in short trousers and a, and a, and a, a bag on my back. And the, and the Almighty God stopping me in the street and calling me to be a preacher. And I said, well, yes, but. Because in these days I had the most horrific stammer. Everything I did was a stutter. And school for me was a nightmare. Because the teachers used to pick on me, I'm sure. And asked me to stand up in the class and read. And that was a, an embarrassment to me. And a nightmare. And I said to God, God, if you're calling me to be a preacher, you have to take away the stammer. You have to take away the stutter. And I remember in 1961, as a 16-year-old boy, I stood up for the first time and preached my first message. And there wasn't a stammer in my voice. Amen. Come on. Praise God this morning. That when God calls you, God equips you. And that was, uh, that was a huge number. So that was in 1961. Uh, you're good at maths. You, that's about, about 51 years. It's over, it's over 20 years anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your toes and your fingers? <laughs> and so that was, uh, that's a wee bit of my history of, uh, of my call to be a preacher. 51 years ago. I preached my first. I can remember what I preached on. I've never preached on it since. It just becomes so special to me. And I've never preached on it since. Imagine a 16 year old boy preaching from the book of Proverbs. Yeah, from Proverbs, you know. And it was just, these were just amazing days. I remember my friend and I used to go away up to the house at night after. And we're only about 15, 16. And we'd just be in the house ourselves. My friend would say, Okay, Romans 12 and 6. And you, you know what Romans 12 and 6 said, but you'd go and stand in the corner and preach it for 10 minutes. That was wonderful training, you know. 
Because he, you, you actually stood in the corner. It was just him and me in, in the house. And I was standing in the corner. And I, I, I'll look at Romans 12 and 6. Maybe for the first time and preach for 10 minutes on it. You know? <laughs> it was just amazing these days uh, looking back. But God always had his hand on my life. And uh, he, he's brought me through so many different circumstances. And, and, uh, and then these last few years as uh, sort of chairman of uh, sort of Pay for Scotland uh, allowed me to travel all over this nation. Uh, every part of this nation I've been able to preach in. And it's just been an amazing uh, uh, sort of journey with God. For the last 16 years it's been an amazing adventure with God. Because God broke into my life again in 1996, 1997. Uh, and by that time I had come out of, uh, of Brethren Circles and, and uh, was moving in a, in a wider area of uh, fellowships. And uh, God just touched my life in an amazing way. Acts chapter 1. New beginnings. Uh, I, I just realised as I was sitting here this morning that that's the name of the church and that is what my message is about. Never linked the two up until I sat there in that corner because, because God woke me up the other morning and I was preaching from this, uh, from this chapter and uh, I took that as, a, as, a, as an indication. Uh, I don't know if you've ever done that. Ever woke up and you're preaching? No? <laughs> no? <laughs> it's, just, it's just great, you know. <laughs> you're waking up at your sleep and you're preaching away. And, uh, and I was preaching away from Acts chapter 1, so I say, okay, Lord, I believe that's you saying that uh, this is the passage for this morning. Isn't God good? Come on. Come on, let's, let's come on. God, is, God is just wonderfully good. He wants to touch and break into all of our lives. Acts chapter 1. In the, the former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do do and to teach. I want to stop there just for a moment. Uh, I'm one of these guys that will just stop and just, uh, and just see what the Holy Spirit say. That all that Jesus began to do and to teach. I want to tell you that uh, this is the start of a story that is still going on today. Amen? That from this verse in Acts chapter 1 it's the beginning of a story that is still going on. It's still being written today. Isn't that amazing? About 2,000 years later the story of all that Jesus began to do and to teach is continuing to this day and you and I are writing still part of that story isn't that amazing? yeah you can get excited a wee bit if you want you, know? <laughs> you can really get excited about this if you want but isn't that exciting? that from Acts chapter 1 a story was beginning that is still being written today what are you writing in the story this morning? now that's the challenge what are you writing in the story, the continuing story of all that Jesus began to do and to teach? What is the fellowship writing in this story? Because this story is ongoing. It's the unfolding grace of God in our world, in our communities, in our lives. It's a continuing story of all that Jesus began to do and to teach. You're not excited that you're in this story? Does that not bring this right up to date this morning? That you're in the midst of this story? That whatever you do in the name of Jesus for the kingdom is being recorded in this story? Wouldn't it be wonderful to read the completed book one day? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we're in the glory and the, the book of Acts is finally completed? And your name's in it. The things that you did for the kingdom are recorded in it. Imagine standing in the glory with Jesus and, and, and this story is unfolded. Does that not give you an impetus to get on there and to do the things that God's calling? See, I believe God is calling this morning. Because we don't only need news at beginnings when we come to the Saviour constantly as Christians. We need new beginnings. 
Because God calls us for seasons and He calls us again. And He calls us. What is God calling you for this morning? See, I believe there's a call of God in every one of us this morning. And He's asking us to come to the fulfillment of the destiny that God has put into your life. Because every man and woman born is born with a destiny. Isn't it wonderful that before the foundations of earth were ever laid, God had already written your story? Come on. You get excited about that. That before God ever laid the foundations of the earth, he had written something about your life. Chosen in Christ from before the foundation of the world. So before everything you see was ever spoken into existence, God had already written something about you. Come on. Isn't that amazing? Do you want to continue the story in your life? Do you want to say, God, I want to just do everything I want to, I want to fulfill what you've written about me. Because every day that you live has already been written in his book before one of them ever come to pass. Isn't that amazing? That every day of your life has already been written in the book of God before ever one of these days ever came to pass. <sighs> we are dealing with something amazing this morning. We are dealing with something that the world knows nothing about up there. But we are linked to an eternal sovereign God who has chosen us in Christ from before the foundation of the world. And he's calling us this morning, yeah. How about you beginning this morning? You see, when these actual disciples are around the table here with Jesus, can you imagine the excitement that they were experiencing? They had seen this man on a cross. They had seen this man in a tomb. They had seen this man who they put all the, the hope in dead on a cross. And here they're at a table or in a room. And he's speaking to them. He's passing on instructions for them. He's speaking about the kingdom of God. Can you imagine the excitement of them? I think we've lost a bit of the excitement of who we serve. We serve a living saviour. I don't know if you do this in church, but I want you to turn to your neighbour and say, He's alive! Come on! He's alive! He's alive! We serve a living saviour. We're carrying on the work that he started. We're continuing to write the book of the Acts. And I just had a quick look through the Acts this morning just to see, and there are over 50 places mentioned in the Acts of the Apostles. I want to tell you there's a few million places now. And Moody's Burns in it. Isn't that amazing? Moody's burn is in the continuing story of the Acts of the Apostles. Because all that Jesus began to do and to teach. And so here they have an excitement. We think the early church is, wow, I'd have loved to be in the early church. You know, they must have been super holy spiritual people. Yeah? They weren't. The church that we're speaking about just now is made up of those who were despondent of those who had doubted of those who had been in despair and even those who had been in denial who Jesus was that 
that's the early church was without, and Jesus in resurrection went and found every one of them he walked on the road to, to Emmaus with the two that was in despair we thought and they're making their way away from we thought that this was the man and there might be someone this morning who's like that a bit in despair we thought when the, her Christian life would have, would have flowed smoothly or it went in a different direction and, and Jesus himself draws near and it turns despair into joy imagine them going back to Jerusalem with their hearts on fire burning we've seen the Lord <laughs> wouldn't that be wonderful we went out this morning with our hearts burning we've seen the Lord the Lord came in our midst and he's touched our lives he spoke to me he's given me hope he's given me direction he's telling me that I'm still part of the story do you realise this morning really that you're part of the story come on I'm asking you individually this morning and answer before God do you realise that you are still part of the story this morning that's amazing that 2000 years after this book started to be written we are still part of the story does that excite you it does me God, what are you going to unfold in my life that's going to be written in this story to the praise and honour of your name? In the, the former book's office, what time have I got to stop by the way? Is it two o'clock? <laughs> in, my, in my former book's office, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days' time you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit or with the Holy Spirit. Wow! Not only were they excited about serving a loving Saviour, here they now were starting to expect a promise that was coming. You would imagine that these, these apostles, these, these disciples, would not need anything else. They had been with Jesus for three and a half years. They had walked with him. They had talked with him. They had watched what he did. They had even got a wee shot of doing it themselves. And you think, right, boys, we are ready to go and take the world on. They had a training that no theological college in this world could ever give them. <laughs> you know, they had walked with the master himself. And no theological college in this world could give them the training that these guys had. But they couldn't go out and do it because if they'd done it at that time, they'd been doing it on their own. And it'd be an abject failure. And so Jesus says to them, But wait. You've got to wait. You know, there's nothing wrong with waiting. A lot of the old fashioned churches used to have meetings called tarrying meetings. It was a time where they really waited on the presence of God. You see, we live in an instant society. But Jenny knows I hate queues. <laughs> I'll drive five miles to a petrol station, it's not got a queue. <laughs> you know, but we know we need to wait upon God. We want to go up and go at times. And God says, no, just wait. And I believe that maybe God is saying to someone this morning who's impatient, wait. I remember being in a, in a meeting in Motherwell 
uh, at the King's Church in Motherwell. I don't know if any of you know about the King's Church. Hugh Clark was the pastor there at one time. And I went through round about the start of this new call in my life about, about 15 years ago. And a guy called Joe Ewan was, was down preaching and I was taken through by a couple and uh, there was about 300 in the hall and uh, and uh, and I was disappointed because I believed that God had put a call in my life but it wasn't happening. Anyway, like that this morning, anyway, anyway got a call in their life that's not happening. You know, I had a real call in my life and it wasn't happening. I was really disappointed. And I was taken through this meeting in King's Church in Motherwell and Joe Ewing from the from north of Scotland was was actually preaching that morning and he would stop at different areas and he speaks and he say, I believe this word that I'm going to speak now is for you. And he would just stop and he would just speak a very simple word into a person's life and move on. And I remember at the end of the service I, I felt good, I felt, oh God, you've answered all that I've been asking. Spoken Elijah and Elisha going towards Jordan where, where uh, Elijah was going to be taken up into heaven and, and Elisha was wanting that it's a double portion. They had to have patience because they went all, all around the block as it were before they got to the place where Elisha got the cloak and got the, and got the double blessing. And that was a wonderful evening that night and really felt blessed in, in that church. And, but then he came off the platform and he moved over to, over to this side of the hall and he spoke into one or two people's lives. And they walked across the front of the hall, I can't see him yet, and they said, I want to speak to that, uh, that older guy with white hair. I didn't know who he was speaking about. <laughs> I really didn't know who he was speaking about. And my friend said, I think he's speaking to you. <laughs> so I said, me? He said, yes. So I said, would you come to the front? So here is a wee brethren guy for the first time ever walking to the front of your hall wondering what's going to happen. <laughs> With great trepidation, walking down to the front of a hall. And Joe Ewing says, uh, do you know how to bake? <laughs> that was his first word to me. Do you know how to bake? I said, yes. I said, well, as I was preaching, every time I turned towards you, above your head was a baking bowl. And your hand was in, and it was actually kneading the dough. He says, I believe that God has sent you tonight that is going to allow you to touch his people in a way that transforms their lives. He says, you're going to make mistakes, but God's hand is with you. God's blessing is with you. You're going to touch lives. God's going to allow you to touch his people. And I never knew that night how true that was going to be. But it says, above that beating ball was a massive cloud of disappointment. Here was God answering what was wrong with me. He was saying, above that baking ball was a massive cloud of disappointment. And it's not that a big guy, Joe Ewan, and he stood with me and he hit me across both shoulders. And he says, in the name of Jesus, the disappointment goes. And I was just filled with a sense of purpose, a sense of going forward. I, I didn't need the car to come home that night. I could have flew home, you know, because I just felt, felt so filled with the presence of God. And I believed in this room this morning there might be some who needs that impetus to go on and believe that God's saying, I've called you. It's maybe not happened the way that you thought it would. It might not be happening at all, but I want to tell you, when I say the word, it will come to pass. I just have a sense of release in here this morning. I really do. I, I, I really believe a real sense of relief in here, of re- release in here this morning. 
I believe that God wants to release so people in the fullness of the destiny that God has for them. And I want to tell you, age is no barrier this morning. Whether it's from the youngest in here to the oldest this morning. I might be the oldest in here, almost. I see, I'm getting a few shakes in the head here. I see that head. <laughs> but it doesn't matter about age. Because age doesn't matter in the kingdom of God. And I believe God is calling this morning for release in this place. To release you to a word that has been spoken into your lives. And you're wondering when it's going to come to pass. I believe this morning in the Holy Spirit there is, a, this is a time of release. It's a time of saying, yeah, your time's come. And he wants to move you on to the next level of your Christian experience. I love that when God moves you on. Who, who loves that this morning when God moves you on, when God says, come on, you've been at this mountain long enough, yeah? As I said, to, you know, maybe you've been at a mountain long enough and you've got comfortable and you're at ease, but you know that God has got a call on your life. God has spoken something in your life and time's passed and it's time to leave the mountain and move out into new territory. He said to Joshua, you've never been this way before. How exciting that God can take you in a pathway that you've never been on before. And he's leading and he's guiding. And I believe God is saying this morning that this is a time of release and he wants to release you to the fullness of all that he has for you. The expected promise. When God releases, he also gives that anointing. He also, I like the old fashioned word, unction. Who said the word unction? The old Presbyterian word, you know. And they spoke about, oh, the preacher had unction this morning. It means that he had an anointing from God. It, it means that he was speaking directly from the throne room of God. And it, it touched the people's heart. Offer oh, more unction in the pulpit, eh? I would love to see more power in the pulpit in Scotland. I believe we've lost a lot of power in the preaching this morning in Scotland. And I would love to see a release of the power, of the unction, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That every minister who ever takes up the word of God, he does so with a sense of unction, a sense of purpose, a sense of hearing from God. And here is uh, this, this wonderful promise that the Holy Spirit was going to come and it was going to be with them. And then it says, so when they met together, they asked him, Lord, I'm now at verse 6, and Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Here is, uh, they got excited about seeing the Saviour. Uh, they got expecting a promise. And now here they're, they're speaking about a vision. They thought that they were going to see Jesus come and, and restore the kingdom to Israel. That would be a bit of land, you know. And God expanded that, that vision to be global. Come on. God expanded that vision. He says, no, no, it's not about this bit of land just now. It's about Jerusalem and it's about Judea and it's about Samaria and it's about the uttermost parts of the earth. And maybe God this morning uh, wants to expand your vision. You know, as he did to these disciples, they were expecting that wee bit of land to be the centre of focus. But God says, no, no, it's global. That was a commission. I'm sure if you asked a lot of Christians in Scotland what the commission was, I wonder what the answer would be. Because I think we've lost the sense and purpose of commission. And we've got into this... Uh, 
this uh, sense of of come I'll put a meeting on you come I'll put this on you come but the commission never has the word come in it the commission has got the word go in it and maybe God wants to expand individual visions this morning maybe he wants to expand the corporate vision this morning or this fellowship that uh, you're part of what God's doing globally you know I stopped I was reading a book one day and uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the book uh, you remember the name of the book Jenny? Faith no no that, that was no uh, I can't remember but it's uh, I'm not rem- but as I was reading that book I came to a bit where he was in Uganda and he was he was taken up to a wee, a wee, a wee village called Adjumani now Adjumani sits in the most northern part of Uganda on the Sudan border so up there in that village there's a church called the Adjumani Church and it's made up with refugees who have flocked over from the border in Sudan and they meet in this small church in Adjumani maybe about two three hundred of them that's a small church in Africa <laughs> and their weekly offering is no more than one US dollar that's combined, that's not from every person their weekly offering is no greater than one US dollar but nailed to that tree is a sign these folks will never leave that village they'll never leave where they are they'll never have anything that you've got or I've got but I'll tell you they have a real sense of the presence and purpose of God because nailed to the tree is this Ajimani church the centre for global impact and world evangelism come on isn't that great is that not great? That kneel to that wee church in Adjumani up in the north of, of Uganda, a place you can only fly to really. There's no roads into it, and the people will never leave it. But they've captured something of the heart of God. They've captured that God is a global God. They've captured that something that God is working amongst the nations. And they recognize that their wee part in that was important to God. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? That they were part of God's big jigsaw. And they nailed that to the tree as a confirmation. Adjumani Church, Centre for Global Impact and World Evangelism. What would you put out there? Would you capture something of that heart of God this morning? Would you capture something of the heart with the vision of the Lord Jesus? No, it's not about a wee strip of land. It's about Jerusalem. It's about Judea. It's about Samaria. And it's about the uttermost parts of the earth. And what you do here impacts God's global picture. I want you to to capture that this morning. What you do here in in Moodysburg impacts God's global work in the universe on this earth. Isn't that amazing? I remember being in... in, in, uh, and you in, uh, in, in, in Harris I've got to think where I've been, I've been in that many places uh, in regards to the pay for Scotland I remember meeting with two Christian doctors in, in Tarbert and uh, they said I would love you to drive and meet this old lady who is a prayer warrior and uh, I don't know if, if you've been in Harris anybody here been in Harris? 
You know the roads, have you been down the, have you been down the, the Golden Road? You've never done the Golden Road. Uh, it's called Golden Road because it costs millions to put in. It's only a single track road, but it goes down the, the other side of, of, of Harris rather than the, than the main road that goes down. And he gave me his map in order to reach this old lady. And it wasn't a normal map because if you're called out at night, if there's no lampposts and it's, it's pitch black. And so if you're called out at night to Lonely Farm, they've got to count the cattle grids and the trees. In order to read, so every, every farm they've got, how many cattle grids have got to go over? And when they see this actual certain tree, they know that that's the track. So he says, There's your map, that's where she stays. So when I, I got up in the, in, the, in the morning, when I was going to catch the, the, the boat over to Uist, and I, I drove down up at the Golden Road, and I crossed the cattle grids, and I seen the walls, and I counted the trees, and I imagine the this wee track, and I drove up this wee track, and I met this old prayer warrior, an old lady, and I spent the most amazing hour with her. And she had captured this. She would never leave that wee, that wee part of O'Hara. She would never travel again. And yet she had a sense that she was part of God's global kingdom. And she prayed with that in mind. And I ask you that when you pray and you personalise your corporate life, you pray globally. You pray that you're part of what God's doing across the world. And your part adds to the next part, and the next part adds to the next part, and it's all working together for the glory of God. Listen, we're part of this amazing story. Okay, that has actually struck me this week more than ever that we're part of this book that started to be written and it's still being written. I'm going to close with another story. There's more I could say, but it's uh, ten past twelve. I'm sorry if it's over my time. I'm going to close with just a, another wee story. When I was doing the 50-day prayer walk around Scotland in, in 2007, again I, I ended up in Lewis. And we ended up in a, a village called, called Arnold. Now Arnold was the last place that experienced revival. Arnold and Barvis were the last two places in, in mainland Scotland that experienced real revival of God in their midst. With Duncan Campbell. Uh, and that. and uh, So I was up there and I was told I should meet this old lady called uh, Kirsty Maggie. And, and I said to the guy... Uh, I would love to meet this. Now this guy I was, I was staying with, I don't know if any of you knew, I've read about the Lewis Revival. The guy who played in the barn, this was his son. Uh, so this was really first hand uh, information. And I said, I'd love to meet Kirsty Maggie. She was 84 or 86 at that time. He said, she's just across the road. So I said, I would love to see her. So he went across and he came back. He said, she'll see two years. And so myself and a colleague walked across the road and went into this house and Arnold, and I want to tell you, whenever you crossed the threshold of that door, you knew you were in the presence of God. I love walking into a, a place like that. You knew you were in the presence of God. And she sat in, in a chair in the middle of the room, like a throne, and we sat in, in, in chairs around about her. And I asked her about her conversion, uh, and she, she, her eyes rolled back the years. I could see her eyes and the joy in her, in, in her, in her, in her voice. And she was recalling days when she came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as her Saviour. Then I said to her, Could you tell me, Kirsty Maggie, what it was like to dwell in a community saturated with the presence of God? 
That's how Duncan Campbell actually wrote about this place. It was a place that was saturated with the presence of God. Wouldn't you love Moody's Burnt to be saturated with the presence of God? Wouldn't you love to go out there and there's a real sense of a saturation of God's presence? That folk are getting saved out there in the street without a preacher. The houses are starting to shake when the, we've actually seen the house that's shooting, right, Jenny? It's still there, it's still standing. It's derelict now, but that's the house that shoot with prayer, having fallen off, off the sideboard. I would love to be in a prayer meeting where the building shakes because God's presence comes. And Cassie to Kirsten Maggie, what was that like? How did it feel? And she said to me, well, son, it was like this. And her eyes were rolling back and I could see her re reliving. And after four or five attempts to tell me, she says, son, I can't tell you. I want to tell you that birthed in me such a hunger to experience something that words couldn't describe. Would you love to be in that position? Would you love to be in a town or a village like that? Where you can't have words to describe what it is to live under the saturated presence of the presence of glory of God. I pray that for Buddhism. I really do. As you work here and, and here and next door with other Christians, just to get a sense of, yeah, God expand my vision and to see the glory of God just fall in a place. They were in a, a prayer meeting and they prayed. And when they came out at 2 o'clock in the morning, the village was starting to come towards them. The Holy Spirit had woken up the people in the village and they were bringing chairs so they could sit. And the question was, is God here? Imagine having cues of people out there saying, is God here? It's happened in our nation. It's happened just a few hundred miles from here. We've seen it in shots, we've seen it in Kilside, we've seen it in Compass Lang. We've seen it in different places, but the last one was in Arnold and Barvis. Imagine that that story of Moody's Burn being saturated with the presence of God being part of the story that we've started to read this morning. Does that not want you to get to your knees? Because it all comes out of real heart-searching, believing prayer. This is what Duncan Campbell wrote. This is what Duncan Campbell wrote. And Duncan Campbell was quoted as saying, It is difficult to convey the sense of livingness that prevails in a community where God is working. <laughs> Come on, I'm going to read that again. Duncan Campbell said, It is difficult to convey, just like Kirsten Maggie, it's hard to, to describe it. It's difficult to convey the sense of livingness that prevails in a community where God is working. The very air seems to be tingling. <laughs> the very air seems to be tingling with divine activity. I want to experience this. I long to experience this. Where the very air in a place where we are is tingling with divine activity. Everything, the grass, the stones, the sea, the sky, seem to cry out, God is here. This is a community where a people saturated with the presence of God abides in my prayer this morning that Moody'sburn will write a story like that. Would you like to write a story like that? Would you love to write a story like that? 
Would you love to experience that divine activity that tingles the very air? As we got more than actually we'd see that happening on regular occasions, but I must finish. I'm sorry if I've overspoke, but I just want to bring in personal experience to tell you that, that it's real. That it's happened. It's touched my life. And I pray that it'll touch your life this morning.